So this morning I woke up and I wasn't feeling it. You ever woke up like that? You just weren't feeling it, right? You're like, I don't know if I'm going to church today. You know, everybody says, well, Kenny, you don't really have that option. Um, maybe I do, you know. Um, it's a volunteer job for me, so maybe I do have uh, the option not showing up today. But I don't feel like I do. I don't feel like I do. Um, but I did. I woke up today and I wasn't feeling it. See, um, I don't know if you know about how I do things, but I have like eight different sermons going on in my mind all the time. Uh, a different series. I have like so many things going in my mind about what I'd like to say to you, what I believe God's called me to say to you. But today I was mixed up. I was mixed up. You know, you think that, well, Kenny, you've got to have a sermon prepared. If it's Sunday morning is rolling up, you can't just wing it, you know. Then I, I can assure you that I don't just wing it. But I can also tell you that I've got about three different sermons to choose from when I wake up on Sunday morning, and I let God lead as to what I say. And, and this Sunday morning, I was confused. I was just mixed up about what I was supposed to say and, and what the next sermon series was supposed to be, and I was, ju- I just, I was confused. And I got a message. You think, well, did God call you on your cell phone? Not exactly. But I got a Facebook message um, from somebody in this congregation. Uh, you're going to remain anonymous, of course. Uh, but, but this is what the person said. I'm not going to recite it from memory, but this is what, what they said. They said basically this, is that there are going to be ups and downs. There are going to be times when it's going to feel like this room is empty and there's nobody here. There's going to be times when you feel down. People are going to be here sometimes and sometimes they're not. People are going to go through waves just like anybody else. So, but I don't want you to think it, it's, it's all for naught. I don't want you to think that nothing good's happening. Because there's these little pockets of people that are understanding on a real level. They're getting it. They've been taught truth and they're, they're investing in each other and... and, and and God's at work, even though you may not see it every single day and every single time you stand up there in the pulpit, you may not see it, but it is happening. Trust me, it is happening. Well, there it was, right? About 6 o'clock this morning, that Facebook message comes through. and I mean, it's exactly what I re- needed to hear at the right moment. And what popped into my head... You see what happens a lot of times. I'm just giving you, I'm pulling the curtain back a little bit and letting you know how God kind of works in in my messages and stuff. And and, and what often happens to me is I try to make things too complicated. This is simple church, and here I am trying to make things too complicated. Well, what happens is I'm searching for something deep. You know, do I need to preach about Ezra and rebuilding of the temple? Do I need to go to Revelation and talk about, you know, the new heaven and the new earth? You know, I've got these different things that are going on in my mind. Do I need to go back and do I need to just talk about Jesus some more? Do I need to finish the, the, the series on, oh, how he, you know, do I need to finish that series? And I, I've just got all these things going on. And like usually, the thing that I'm supposed to say is the thing that's on my heart the most, the thing that has been right there in front of me all week long. And literally this week, it was something that had been there right in front of me all week long. And God said, yes, this is what you're supposed to do. Now, I sent this picture to Brett, and hopefully he can put it up on the screen. There's a picture sitting on my desk. And I've looked at this picture all week long because there have been different times throughout the week. I've been, I've been doing 
taxes, right? Everybody loves tax season. Ta- tax day's tomorrow, by the way. If you didn't know that, do your taxes. Don't go to prison, you know. <laughs> Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, right? Okay, so you got that. Do your taxes. But this, this picture was a picture taken in Haiti. At the bottom it says, Galatians 6, 9, it says, Don't get tired of doing what is good. But in the right time, you will reap the harvest. At just the right time, you're going to reap the harvest of blessing that is from God. And this picture was taken, and I remember, y'all, I was there. I saw this. What you can't see is how big this field is where these, these, these four guys are plowing by hand. They're turning over the soil in Haiti so they can plant crops in this soil. And this, this field just went on and on and on as far as you can see. And there were four guys digging by hand, pulling up the soil. And we watched them do this, man. It just, they did not stop just over and over and over again, just digging up that soil. And some of you were there, and you know what I'm talking about. You know how powerful it was to see these guys. So I thought, here we, this is what we're going to do. Us Americans, we're going to get in there, and we're going to see if we can do this. Surely we can do this. So we got four of us in there. I see some of you smiling. You know what happened. I was one of them. Got in there. I want to try this. I don't know how hard this is. Man, I looked like a fool, y'all. Like, they had this whole rhythm. They were going in sync. Choom, choom, choom. Man, when we got up there, it's like, you know? I mean, that's what it was like. You like the sound effects? Us guys, we like sound effects, don't we? That's what it was like, you know? We were, I mean, we were going at it, and I did it for, I don't know, maybe it's 60 seconds, maybe it's a full 180 seconds, I don't know. My, my heart was beating on the outside of my sternum. You know what I mean? Like you ever felt like that? Like you were going to die in a second if you did not quit doing what you were doing? And these guys had been doing it all day and never take, took a drink of water that I saw. Man, they were just getting after it over and over and over again. And I was like, man, that is so hard. That is so hard. I cannot believe how hard this is. Number one, to be so coordinated and, and, and all of you guys working together, digging, plowing that soil, you know. And then how physically tough it was because those, those picks are heavy, man. They are really heavy. And I was about to die just working for a few minutes. And these guys are doing it all day long, day after day after day. And this lady named Victoria, who was the only one outside of Simple Church's group that was part of our group, we brought her in. She became family for that week. She, she sent me this picture. Remind me, hey, don't get tired. Don't get tired of doing what is good because in the right time, just the right time, you will reap the harvest of blessing. Galatians 6, 9. Sometimes I get tired. Sometimes I get really tired. And sometimes I want to give up and sometimes I want to quit. But I'm so thankful for this verse and remembering those guys out there in that field that did not stop. They just kept going because their lives depended on it. We should be working for the kingdom of God like our lives depends on it. Now, I want to clarify something here before I get too deep. There's a lot of people say, oh, you're teaching a works-based salvation. That you're teaching in order to be saved, you have to do works. And that is not true. That is not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is this. If you believe that you're a Christian, yet you are not working, 
there's a very good indication that you will be forever separated from God because you are not a Christian. You are not a Christian at all. I don't, I don't like telling you that. I would rather tell you, all you've got to do is say a prayer and come in here once a week. That's all I would love to be able to tell you that, but it's not what God says. When I read Matthew chapter 25, and he's talking about, I mean, Jesus is talking about talents. He's like, to one servant was given five, to one servant was given two, and to one servant was given one. And he went away for a while, and he came back, and the one who's given five, he had doubled it. One who's given two, he doubled it. But the one who's given one talent, he didn't do anything with it. He buried it. He gave it back to his master. said, I knew that you were, you're, you're difficult to work for, so I didn't want to lose this one, so I just buried it. And he said, you could have, I mean, if, you, if that was the case, you could have just put it in the bank if you were worried, and at least it would have gained interest. But instead, you did nothing, and therefore it just sat there in the dirt. He says, get, get away from me. He says, take the one talent from him and, and cast him into darkness and punishment. That's what Jesus said. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. If you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at Jesus. Go read chapter 25 and get as mad as you want to. Tear that page out if you want to. It's still not going to change the truth. Still not going to change anything. God's word is still God's word. And and there are people that that they just believe, man, I gave Jesus an hour and a half out out of my week. Therefore, oh, praise God, I am a Christian. I am a Christ follower. But I am investing nothing in the kingdom of God. I am investing nothing in planting or sowing seed or anything. I'm just going about my day and I'm letting it go in my ears. That's good. That's good. It's like taking seeds and putting it in your pocket. Somebody says, okay, what would you do with the seeds? Did you grow anything? Did you harvest anything? Nope. They're right here in my pocket. You want them? They're a little bit wilted and they're a little bit dried up. But, but here they are. Here's the seeds you gave me. You think God wants you to do that? He's given you these seeds. He's given you the truth of the gospel. Let me tell you something. The more you understand about the gospel, the more responsibility you have to the kingdom of God. You understand that, right? To whom much is given, much is required. So if you do not want to be held accountable for that, you should walk out and ignore the truth. And let me tell you something. When you do that, you're condemned already. You're condemned already. But let me tell you something, man. There's so many people that are standing on Sunday mornings. I know there are. There's so many preachers who are standing on Sunday mornings and saying, it's okay. It's all right. You did good. You came in here on Sunday morning. You didn't go fishing. You didn't stay home and do laundry. You came to Jesus, and Jesus is so happy right now. And that's what they're, they're preaching that. And, and you can go to one of those churches, and that's fine. But let me tell you something. The truth of God's word does not say that. And when you are tired of doing good, you've got to remember what you're doing good for. That you're investing, that you're planting that seed, that you're sowing that seed. That God is responsible for watering that seed and growing that seed, but you are to plant. You are supposed to, to put into the soil. You're supposed to work hard to dig up that soil day after day after day because the field is wide open. And there is a lot of soil to be tilled. And man, these four guys that were doing that, I just think about, I mean, like, that's us. That's us. There's not a, there's not a, a field full of folks out there digging. There's only a few of them. But they are getting after it, and they ain't quitting. And that's supposed to be us. 
There ain't, there ain't a bunch of us out there proclaiming the truth, living the truth, showing people what the truth really is. But the ones of us that are out there, we got to work hard and not quit. And if you ain't working, you ain't a Christian. I'm just going to say that flat out. I mean, God so radically changed your life that you are never the same, that your heart is so transformed. You know what you did with it? Nothing. God, you shook me to my very core. You transformed every single thing about me. And, and the overflow of that has been zero. And people say, oh, well, the reason I don't is because it's really hard. So what? So what? Is that an excuse? It's hard. Pretty sure going to the cross is hard too. And he says, take up your cross and follow me. It's hard. It's going to be hard. Digging in that dirt, it was hard. But it was for the purposes of planting. It was for purposes of being able to reap something one day. And I can tell you, I remember, uh, Keith talks about this all the time. I don't talk about it so much, but I used to have a, a college ministry, and we would, I would teach on Thursday nights, and there would be like 10 of us there. He always says, I don't think there were 10 of us there, bro. I think there was like eight, maybe Maybe eight, and only like four of them were college students. But anyway, so I did that. I wanted to do it on Thursday nights because I felt like I wanted to be in direct opposition to what was going on on JSU's campus on Thursday nights. That's party night on most, most college campuses, right? That's when everybody gets together and they get drunk and they may or may not show up on class on Friday. Some of them don't have class on Friday. So I wanted to be in direct opposition to that and give you another chance to do something else uh, instead of going and partying on Thursday night, you could come to church and we would teach you about God on Thursday night. Man, there were so many days. And like if there, was, if there wasn't a band there, I don't know if anybody would have been there. Maybe Keith would have been there. I appreciate you, brother. I don't know if anybody would have been there. It was hard. It was real hard to make myself prepare and get up there and stand and speak on Thursday nights knowing there would probably be virtually nobody there. That was real hard. But man, I have seen some fruit come out of that. Your worship leader, she came out of that. Your youth pastor, he came out of that. They were one of the few that were there. This church came out of that. That was preparation for this church. And I know for sure that God was preparing me so that one day when I would have to stand up here, it wouldn't matter if there were 10 of you out there. I would still preach the truth. And I would continue to do it. Even if it was hard. I'm going to read. We're going to go into Galatians today. So I, this is kind of weird. I'm going to go to the end of Galatians. And then we're going to go back to the beginning of Galatians. You say, why are you going to do that? I don't know. God told me to. Okay. I really, I don't know what to tell you. Um, I, I, I feel like it's, it's a picture of where we need to get to, and then we're going to go back and see how do we get here. You know, that's the only thing I can understand about why God would choose to do this, but this is what he chose to do, and he started with Galatians 6, 9, and that verse has been on my desk. And So we're going to read the end part of Galatians, and then we're going to go back to the beginning. I thought about it, and I said, God, maybe this is like taking the ACT or SATs. You know, when you have the reading comprehension portion, you go and read the questions first, then you go back and read the passage. There's a few of y'all that, some of y'all are so old, you can't even remember taking those tests. And some of y'all are so old, they didn't even have those tests back then. But 
Like, that's what you did. You read the questions first, and you go back and read the passage, right? And then figure out the answers to the questions. You remember that? And so I guess that's what God's wanting us to do. We're going to kind of look at where we're going, then we're going to kind of go back and look at how we got here. So Paul's writing the church of Galatia. And I'll go into the background. We get back to chapter 1, but for right now we're in chapter 6. And he's saying, don't get tired of doing what is good. And in, in Galatians 6, beginning in verse 4, it says this. Pay careful attention to your own work. Then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For we are each responsible for our own conduct. Now, one of the things that we have a problem with sometimes is we need, we need to see something in return for what we're putting out, right? Like, at least these guys that are digging in the dirt, and their heart's like pounding and they I mean like by the way those guys are like ripped up I know they look skinny in that picture but there was zero body fat on those guys by the way now part of that is because they didn't have the 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 cheeseburgers and stuff that we have here and McDonald's french fries that's part of it but the other thing is that they are working every single day and man we want to see the evidence of that work and sometimes we want to continue to work but but we want to get satisfaction from a job well done And sometimes we get that satisfaction of a job well done. We compare ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to everyone else. Now, I don't want you to be confused here. I am not saying that you should look at yourself and say, well, at least I came to church on Sunday mornings. There's a lot of other people that that didn't come to church on Sunday mornings. Therefore, I am doing a good deed. I I am good, man. When I compare myself, when, when I look at somebody as an example for somebody that is a, a follower of Christ, somebody that can write in God's word, I have run the race, I have finished the course, and, and now I'm going on to receive my crown of righteousness in heaven. I mean, like, when I read those words from a guy like Paul, I say, man, that's somebody I should aspire to work like. That, that's somebody I should really kind of, because, I mean, like, if I really believe I deserve the kingdom of heaven, then, then I got to look at somebody like Paul who can confidently say that. And let, let's look at what Paul went through a little bit. You mind if I read this to you? See if this sounds like you and your pursuit of Christ and what you endure as a Christ follower. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24, it says this. Five different times a Jewish leader gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent the whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers, from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities and in the deserts and on the seas. And I have faced danger from the men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked long and hard and doing many sleepless nights. I've been hungry and thirsty and have often gone long without food. I have shivered in the cold without even enough clothing to keep warm. And besides all this, I have the daily burden of the concern for all the churches. Does that sound like you're suffering for Christ? Does that sound like your hard work? I mean, we we consider ourselves good because we come to church for an hour and a half once a week. And I mean, like, we look at Paul, what he did for the gospel. Like, man, maybe I should be doing a little bit more. Maybe actually witnessing to somebody who's at the desk next to me or, or, or 
or has the locker next to me at school, maybe that's really not so hard after all, comparing to be beaten with rods three different times. Maybe it's really not hard to feel awkward. Maybe that's not really suffering for Christ. Maybe there's a lot more when Paul talks to... I mean, we, man, people read in, the, in God's Word about suffering and think, man, that is me. I suffered because somebody in my family got sick. I have, boy, I have suffered, and that has been tough. And yes, you have suffered. You have suffered the the reality of life. But I'm talking about suffering the reality of of the work of the gospel. I am talking about suffering for the kingdom of God. I'm talking about real heartache because you have passion for somebody who is lost. You look at them, you, you, you have loved them, and you have come in contact with them, and God has put them in your sphere of influence. He has put them around you, and here they are, and you look at their life, and man, it burdens your heart so much that you are broken, that you get down on your face before God. You find your quiet place, you know that place where you get on your knees, and you cry, and you weep to God every time you got something going on wrong in your life, and you're hurting, and you feel bad. I'm talking about getting on your hands and knees and begging God for that person's soul the same way you beg him to help you in your times of need. Do you do that? Is that the picture of your life? Where you get so burdened over somebody that you get down and you weep over them? And you say, God, what matters most is if you'll save them. And if you need to take my salvation away so that they can have salvation, I ask that you do that. That's how Paul prayed. He said, I I could be a curse from Christ as long as you guys would know and you guys would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I'm willing to be cut off from God so that you'll know. Does that sound like your picture of your Christianity? Of your Christ following? Of your taking up your cross? Or how about visiting somebody in the hospital who's, who's a fellow believer, but they ain't even in your family? Can you imagine such a thing? Oh, I thought your pastor was supposed to do that. Pastor can't do everything. I know that you think that I can. I can. I promise you. I'm just a man. I'm not Superman. I'm just a man. But I know that when when your family's sick, you expect me to be there. I got it, okay? And I'm going to do my best to be there. But let me tell you something else. It is the responsibility of every single person in this room to care for other believers. And it is not just my responsibility. I am responsible for the equipping of the saints. I'm supposed to show you what you're supposed to do. I'm supposed to teach you the word of God so that you can go and proclaim this truth everywhere else and live it out everywhere else. But I can't drive you there. I can't put you in the car and take you there. I can't hold your hand while you're sharing the gospel with that person next to you. I just can't. I can't do it all. You've got to do some stuff that's hard and you've got to do it on your own. And you've got to be willing to. If you want to call yourself a Christ follower. Paul, he's the same guy talking to the church of Galatia. Those who taught you the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Those who are taught the word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Now, some people say that you're supposed to give me a salary. I I don't want your money. I don't want a salary. Um, that's just the way that I am. God's provided for me and my family. I don't want a salary from the church, okay? I don't want one. Paul even talks about this. He says, you know what? It would be okay for me to take a salary, but the gospel's free, so I want it to be free for me, and I don't want you to pay me. That's what Paul said. But there is a sharing that I'm asking you to do with me. 
It's like that Facebook message I received this morning. Following the leadership of the Holy Spirit, one of our church partners sent me a message saying, look, I know that sometimes you feel burdened, you feel like it's not working, but I promise you it's working. It may be in small pockets, you may not see it every day, but it's working. That's the kind of sharing I need. I get all kinds of letters and all kinds of notes and people put in the offering plates and stuff. Here, share this with Kenny about how I'm broken, how I'm hurting, all this kind of stuff. And it's about once a year I get one in there that says, man, I just want to tell you how the gospel's changed my life as a result of you sharing the truth. And I, I'm like, this is like gold to me. This is far better than any salary I could ever get. You could pay me a million dollars. I'd rather have that letter that says, man, the gospel has transformed my life and I just want you to know it. That's what I'm asking you to share with me. I know we got a lot of complaints and we do a lot of things wrong in here. Uh, we don't do things the right way every time. I can assure you that. You know why? Because we still have flesh. If we did everything right, then we'd be in heaven and we'd have a different kind of church, okay? But I'm telling you, we're flawed because we're human, so therefore we're going to have problems. And I understand that you need to bring those to me, and I got that. As your shepherd, as your leader, I'm supposed to take those, and I'm supposed to do my best to lead you in the right direction on how to handle those situations. I am 100% okay with that. But I also need your encouragement every once in a while, too. I also need you to say, hey, Kenny, it's working, man. It's working. Me and so-and-so, we met the other day, and we prayed, and we said, you know what? We're just going to go visit one of the friends of ours that's in the hospital, and we're going to pray with them. It's working. It's working. God's doing a thing in our life, and we're doing the hard stuff. I shared the gospel with so-and-so, and it's working. It was hard, and I felt weird, and it, I was worried about how they would think, think of me, but it's working. The truth is working. God's working in my life. I want you to know that. I know when I go to a league of our own, a baseball league for kids with special needs, and I see church members showing up, man. I see people come and say, well, I... There may be too many volunteers here. I don't care. I'm just going to be here in case there is a need. I'm going to be here to volunteer. Man, that, that, is, that is like a sweet, sweet taste in my mouth for the gospel of Christ. I'm like, man, it's working. It's working. People are doing the hard stuff. Yeah, but it, it, I don't know how I'll react around kids with special needs. I don't, that might be hard for me, to, Kenny. I don't, I, don't know if, I, I, I don't know if I can do that. It might be hard. So what? Do it anyway. Yeah. Jesus did something hard for you. You can do something hard too. I promise you, you will be okay walking around the bases with a kid with special needs. Yeah. I promise you, you'll be okay. On uh, April the 28th, we're going to have an opportunity for Simple Church. That's our volunteer day. We have a designated day. The last game of the season is Simple Church Volunteer Day at a league of our own. I hope that we have five people to every one child that's out there. I hope that people are so motivated for the gospel of Christ to say, you know what? I want people to see the evidence of Jesus in my life, and I'm going to be out there. I'm going to be doing what's hard. And I, it doesn't matter how hard it is for me. It's going to be for those kids. It's going to be about the glory of God, and I'm going to do it anyway. That will be my prayer, and that will be my hope that April the 28th represents that at a league of our own. I know people got vacations, you got work, I understand that. I'm talking about in general. I want God to be glorified by us saying, man, you, you want to encourage me, you want to share with me, you want to you, you and, and, and give me the good stuff in life, then you be there on April the 28th. I'm just going to say that. You want to share with me? I know many of you are going, well, I'm going to send him a Facebook message when I get home. That's great and that's wonderful and I love that. I'm going to put a note in the offering plate. That's great and that's wonderful. But the, the best thing for me 
It's when I see the evidence of Christ in your life and you're working and you show up on April the 28th and do something like that for the gospel of Jesus. Simple church doesn't sit back and do nothing. We're people that do something. We're going to make that evident in this world. And we're going to be there and we'll be serving other people. Okay, enough about that. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful, sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So here what Paul is talking about is he says, you can't plant something and expect to get something else. Anybody in here a farmer? Probably not, right? Anybody on FarmersOnly.com? Willie, Willie, are you a farmer, Willie? You plant tomatoes? What do you got? Watermelon. You plant watermelon. All right. Can you, can, can you put some apple seeds in the ground and get watermelon? Can, 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 he can't. Can he? He's like, you can't, Kenny. You just can't, man. You can't. Does everybody here know that, that pineapples don't grow on trees? Did y'all know that? They grow on little plants about this tall. Some people are like, you just blew my mind. I didn't even know that. I thought they grew on trees like, like pineapple or like coconuts, you know. I thought pineapples grew up there like coconuts and they had to go cut them down. Now they grow on little plants about that tall. And you can't put pine straw and apples, apple seeds in there and get a pineapple out of it. You just can't do it. That's not how it works. Whatever you put in the ground is going to be what you get. Whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. Whatever you're going to harvest. So you can't keep putting... <laughs> Well, first of all, you can't put nothing in the ground and expect to reap, right? There's so many people that want to experience the glory of God and the goodness of God, and they're not planting anything. They're just sitting back, and they're coming on, on, on Sundays and sitting there, and they're going, well, I, God's given me the seeds, and I put them in my pocket. I've got good seeds right here in my pocket, and God has given me truth, and he's given me something good today. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stick it in my pocket and wait till next week for him to put something else in there. I want, to, I want to clear something up for you. I've been asked this question before, and I, just, I feel like I need to restate it here. If you want to take anything from my sermons, and you want to recite it word from word, I don't care. I don't consider that plagiarism. I don't, I don't care what you do with it. If you want to take my sermon, memorize it, and then go and share it with somebody else, I don't care. I don't need credit for it. You don't have to say, Kenny said this. You just, you just say, this is truth, and I want you to know it, Okay? Well, you need to know that. I've had people ask me that before. Well, i gotta, I got to teach a Bible study. Said, okay, if I use what you said. Yes! I didn't say it first, as a matter of fact. Jesus did. So, like, like I've already plagiarized it, so it's okay for you to do that too, really. Like, seriously. <laughs> so, take the seeds that are given to you, man. You're given these little nuggets of truth and the reality of God's Word. And, man, don't just put it in your pocket. Go and plant it somewhere. Even if it's tomorrow morning and it's tax day and somebody's like, tax day sucks. And you're like, yeah, it does. Let me tell you what my pastor said about it. You know? Just take those nuggets and do something with them, man. Don't take the seeds and put them in your pocket. They're not going to grow there. They're just going to get sweaty and nasty. Are, are you planting? And if you're, you know, you know what? You, 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 you plant the truth of God in somebody and then you're going to, you may not always see it in your lifetime, but, but the truth of God will be harvested and reaped at some point, man, as a result of the, well, the seed that you're planting. Right. Now understand that what Jesus says, sometimes when you plant, man, 
There's going to be weeds that grow up around it. You're going to be throwing the seeds out on the, on the rocks. And, and, and like it's not going to grow there. Or it's going to grow for a little bit and it's going to wither and die away. I understand that. Okay? But that's not an excuse for not planting. You can't take that pocket full of seeds and say, well, there's rocks here, and there, there, there's, there's some sand over here, and, and, and like there's weeds over here, so therefore I'm going to just leave the seeds in my pocket. How are they going to grow anywhere if you're not trying with those seeds that you've been given? I mean, like, that's not an excuse. You can't say there's rocks here, therefore I'm not going to plant anything. You're still supposed to be planting. There's a lot of... A lot of people that are planting something that ain't God, okay? Like they're, they're taking something they heard on TV and they think that it's true and they like the way it sounded. And, and like, you, you can't back it up with Scripture. You can't look and say, oh, okay, God's Word says that, but I like the way that sounds, therefore I'll go and plant that. You know what's going to happen if you plant that? You're going to get something that ain't of God when it grows. And there's a lot of people that are planting some stuff that ain't of God and it's growing. And you look around this world, you can see it. It's everywhere. And if some of you are planting something that ain't of God and somebody else, which, by the way, can happen in relationships too. If you're sowing the seeds of sin in somebody's life, you know what's going to come, come out of that. More sin, more destruction, more evil. So when you plant the wrong thing, you get the wrong thing. Just like when you plant the right thing, you get the right thing. He says, those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. Not only will you plant and, and you will see God's glory through that, but you will also receive everlasting life from that same Spirit that has given you the direction to plant those seeds. He says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So this is what he's saying. He says, you know who you're supposed to do good to? It's a big question mark in your mind. Who am I supposed to be nice to? Who am I supposed to plant into? Who am I supposed to, 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 to do things to try to... Nurture them and, and help them and help them to understand the truth of God? Everyone. Yes. Any question about that? Everyone. And then to those that are already in the faith, we're to encourage those. Yes. So what does that mean? Brett, put that picture back up on the screen. Put that picture back up on the screen. Let's go dig beside them. Come on. Our faith family are out there digging. You say, you know what? We'll get more done if we work together. We'll get more work done if we will be in sync with one another, digging up that soil together. That's the reason they did it. Because you know what I saw? is when they put those picks into the ground, a larger chunk would come up if they were working together than they could get four different chunks individually. Yeah. It'd be a larger chunk of soil that would come up so that they could plant more, so they could harvest more, because they were working together, in unison together. They were in sync with one another. That same Holy Spirit was working together so that all of them could accomplish the works of God. So they could plant more. They could harvest more. That's what the picture of Christianity is supposed to look like. That our faith family, that's how we're supposed to be working together. 
So let me tell you something. If you're not working like this, if you're sitting on the sidelines and you got your picks laid up against the bench beside you because you say the work's too hard, I'm out on that, we're not going to get as much accomplished. We're not going to get as much accomplished. And then if you're sowing something else, (laughs) there's some people in here that because of their negativity and because of their constant, um, I don't want to say nagging, that's not the right word, but nagging, um, their constant nagging and their constant complaining that, that you know what they're doing, negative work. The soil that we've turned over, they're turning it back over. They're going the opposite direction. And that happens in the church. And if that's you, you need to repent of that. And you need to say, God, I want to get on board with everybody else is doing it. I want to get in sync with this Holy Spirit who is leading us all. Now, I know that what I've said has been harsh today, okay? I got it. All right, I know that it's been difficult to hear all this stuff and talk about the talents and talk about being cast in utter darkness and being separated from God and all that kind of stuff. I got that, okay? It's hard. And you're supposed to be challenged. You're supposed to have the Holy Spirit well up inside of you and you're supposed to like, have this overwhelming sense of, man, I got to do something different. Well, the good news is this, is that if you have not done the right thing in the past, you can do the right thing today. That there is the grace of God that is sufficient for you That even though you have messed up in the past or maybe you've been sowing the wrong seeds or maybe you've been working against what everybody else is working for, there's still a chance for you to come on and get on board with what the Holy Spirit is doing. It's going to require you to sacrifice your flesh and to follow that Holy Spirit, that Spirit that keeps us all in sync. So maybe you've been a naysayer. Maybe you're being somebody that's been sitting on the sidelines. you got a chance today. you got a chance to let God say, you know what? Tomorrow's a new day. And there's a brand new field that needs to be plowed. Are you going to plow? Are you going to plow or are you going to sit on the sidelines and wait for somebody else to do the work? Let me pray. Father, Lord, I pray that people, God, your people would understand your word and your truth would be proclaimed. And God, I pray that your truth would change people's lives. Father, we can't do this apart from you. It it tells us clearly in your word that it's the Holy Spirit. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that that continues to show us the path that we're supposed to take. But we have a responsibility to do something, Lord. That we're supposed to work hard and not give up. And I'm just afraid there are so many people that are complacent with doing nothing. I pray that you challenge our heart. That the Holy Spirit, who encourages us to do those things, would also convict us of the things that we need to change. So, Lord, you speak right now to your people. God, may your Holy Spirit move freely in this place. And may he work on the hearts and lives of people. God, I believe that, that there will be some people that will ignore his voice today. God, as you have challenged us, there will be some people that say, you know what, I'm doing a good job, I'm doing enough, I, I'm saved, and therefore, you know, uh, this, he's just trying to teach something that means that I have to work in order to be saved. That's not at all what I'm saying. I pray that your Holy Spirit has proclaimed the truth, that there is evidence of your faith, there is evidence of your walk by God, with God by the things that you sow into this world. So, Lord, I pray that you would speak truth into people's lives right now. God, that they would, they would come in response to you and, and repent. God, repent of the, their, 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 their laziness and, and their, their unwillingness to do the hard things, God. And I pray that you would encourage them, that you can use them, that they're not ill-equipped, that you have given them the tools and they can go and they can sow. So, Lord, speak to us now. Change our lives forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone stand.